0: Good day, my friend. You're at the right place at the right time, and you're about to hear the word of God that God has shared with us during our service time at Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. So I pray that we have your attention for the next few minutes as this word of God comes forth. I pray that it would be a blessing to your life and to your journey. Luke 4, 4 17 to 20, and it reads, and there was delivered, picking up about Jesus, uh, there was delivered unto him... The book of the prophet Isaiah, which is the book, Old Testament, Isaiah and Jesus, when he had opened the book, he found the place. He intentionally went to the book of Isaiah where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering uh, recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Here it is. Verse 20. And he closed the book. I love this. And he gave it back to the minister and he sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Who is this that when it comes for him to do the reading in the synagogue, intentionally goes to the prophecy in the book of Isaiah, reads it and basically says, what you read about is me. In other words, I am the confirmation of prophecy. I am here, I have evolved, I have come through 42 plus generations, and now what you have read in the Old Testament, behold, it's here. Tell your neighbor, I'm a confirmation of prophecy. Tell the other one, I'm a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus walks in this temple, the synagogue, and he basically owns it's his season. He said, The anointing is on me to do preach, to heal, to, to bring captive, deliverance to captive, to set at liberty them in views, uh, uh, to them who are bruised in the precious, acceptable year of the Lord. What I want to hone in on is asking you what grace and what anointing is on you. Jesus said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to recover sight to the blind. I'm, I'm reloaded to set at liberty in my bruise. I have to ask you that you got to start identifying what grace and what anointing is on you in this season. What is on you? What is God trying to birth in you? You got to own it. You can come out of that clue la la land. You can come out of that false humility. God don't need no more people who have no idea what he is doing. God needs you to know what you are doing what he's doing in you and you need to own what God is doing I need you to tell your neighbor one more time I'm not sure we're gonna talk to our neighbor too much more but tell your neighbor ask your neighbor say what is God doing in you come on ask him now tell him tell him tell him a few seconds tell him come on I'm serious tell him tell him tell him him, no tell him Tell them what God is doing. No, tell them. Tell them. Come on. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. What is God doing in you? What grace is on you? Come on. You got a few more seconds. Tell that person on that road. What is God doing? What is God saying to you? What is God moving in you? What is on you in this season? Come on, somebody. What's on you? Come on. I know what's on me right now. I know the grace. I'm in a season of things coming full circle. I know what season I'm in right now. I'm not closing. Clue and clue. And being clueless because let me tell you what I'm trying to do because as long as you're clueless the devil's going to defeat you as long as you don't know what God is doing the devil's going to easily discourage you but you got to step up into your season and say I know what God is doing on my life I may need some training I may need some development I may need some healing and I may some need some encouragement but one thing I'm not going to do I'm not about to forfeit what God's going to do if he wants to do it I'm going to let him do it If this is my season to have it, I'm going to have it. I don't care what I got to go through. I may need mentorship for this, but I'm going to do it. I may need training, certification for this, but I'm going to do it. Tell your neighbor, you got to own your season. Come out of being clueless. Whole bunch of church folks with false humility. And doing God no good, not being able to say what's on you. I know what's on me in this season. I know what God's trying to do in me I know that I'm in a season of expansion right now I know what's happening in here come on somebody I know that we're in a season where our church is going to grow and do new things and do some things that we haven't done in previous years I already know the anointing that's on this church an anointing that's on my life I already know I'm preparing for greater apostolic works and starting new churches but guess what when we're together it ain't just one person going up and we all we all going up. We all growing out. We all expanding. Come on, somebody. Long- those days where only one person get exalted, one person get promoted, one person get blessed, one person come out and we watch you grow for years and nobody else but this ain't what God is doing in this season. God is raising up a people, God is raising up a breed, God is raising up a type of people who will coming into our season. Gotta own your season. Own wherever that is, own that thing. That's right. I remember we first started church when we first started i thought we was going to grow big time a lot of numbers and god said no 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 you ain't in that season yet that's a good season too but i owned the season i was in god says you're not growing taller and you're not growing wider he said you were growing deeper and i appreciated the time that god grew this church deeper When you grow deeper, that means your roots are in the ground. That means that before the devil can deal with my branches, he got to deal with my roots. And, and, and roots to keep your ankle when the wind blows. See, some of y'all got, whatever season you were in, you got to learn to be content in that season and on that season. This church was once in a root growing season. We were growing roots. We was growing foundation. And I start getting excited about just that season that we're in. God said, don't worry about it. You'll have your season of exaltation and expansion. But make sure you got. Roots, because if you got roots, when the wind blows, you're gonna stay anchored. Come on, somebody, when the storm comes, you're gonna stay anchored. Come on, because you got roots. Roots represents relationships and networks and connection and a deep foundation of a water supply and a source. And God began to tell me some years ago that this church was in that season. And I'm saying that to say some of you, whatever season you're in, own that season. If you're in a pruning season, take out your scissors and get the cutting away. Whatever God tells you to prune, prune. Don't you understand that pruning is inducing growth? I say pruning is inducing growth. You know what I said pruning is inducing growth. God says that he will cut us away because he wants us to bear more fruit. So he'll trim us back to grow us more. It's the same Thing, when a woman is pregnant and that baby hadn't come forth yet she goes to the doctor and the doctor induces labor and it's the same thing he does something to allow that thing to come forth and some of you are in pruning and that's fine and let God prune you back because I'm telling you you are gonna be greater than you ever been let God cut you back cut off some things clean up some things own your season be a good pruner if you're in a pruning season go out there sing a song full of joy and get the clipping away because sooner or later when another season comes, you're gonna be able to take pride that you are able to go through the pruning season to have your harvest season own your season own your season now I want to spend the rest of my minutes with maintaining your due season let's go to Matthew 7 I probably won't finish Matthew 7 as God has blessed you there's some things to be mindful of to help you maintain your due season Let me read the first few verses. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It helps me out today. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. This is a loaded verse. I'm going to have to come back in a second. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own how can you think of saying to your friend let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye hypocrite watch the word first get rid of the log in your own eye then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye here it is when you come into your season point number one don't use your due season to hurt and hinder others Sometimes, when God blesses us our hearts are not processed fully and arrogance and pride rise up in us and now that God done blessed us we use it as an opportunity to bully other people we forget where we come from and now that we finally made it somewhere, we have the nerve to look at other people and say, I can't stand them. I can't stand this. I can't stand that. I don't understand how you can't stand nothing when you was once there at some part of your life, had to make some bridge, some crossroad to become who you come. Sometimes become who you are. Sometime when God raised us up in our due season, get us more access, more influence, more blessings, more money, more intellect, more uh, environments, more platforms. Sometimes. We use it to tear down versus to build up. We miss respecting people and judging improperly. It's necessary for me to for me to help you understand what this these first few verses mean. It means don't just jump on people's failures, don't be overcritical of people. God not raising you up to be overcritical of people. Don't be overcritical. Don't be mean-spirited. Don't be overcritical of people even in their faults. So when it's talking about judging is and the Bible speaks about two basically two forms of judging. The first one in the Greek is kreno, which means to condemn or damn to hell. When it says do not judge others, it means don't look at people in their downward season and use it to condemn them to hell. Because truth doesn't matter, if you really remember where you come from, you will understand that God has a turnaround for them just like he had for you. Yeah. So your view of other people should not be used, you should not use your elevated season to condemn other people or to damn other people. Yeah. That first word, to condemn or to damn. The other, diakrino, which means to examine carefully and to make a decision. So there are two forms of judging. One is when you're condemning somebody or damning somebody. Or the other one is the part of examination in which we still are called to do. I want to explain that because God didn't raise you up as well to dumb you down because there's a whole lot of church folks who only repeat the first part of this verse and don't read the rest to get an understanding and we walk around, only thing we says is do not judge, but the truth of the matter is, it's about how you judge, it's how you look at things, so it's not about just don't judge because if you don't judge, you're not going to be able to walk in the authority and walk in the wisdom that God wants you to walk in, these same verses says that one of the keys to being a good person who judged properly is get yourself right and when you get yourself right now you're able to clearly see how to to help somebody else so God says one of the ways of really walking in your due season is get yourself right and that's what the verses are trying to portray here is don't use your season just to focus on getting everybody else right but have a view of getting your own self right and then you are able to help some else that's what it's talking about hypocritical judgment do not use your due season to hurt or hinder others we have something happening in the body of Christ that I am concerned about we have Christians and believers constantly using social media to tear down other believers we do have opportunity to judge and correct when it's appropriately but to tell somebody's business and to be excited about it is not the nature of Christ. To tell somebody's downfall and to not weep is is not the nature of Christ even if God gave a strong word to a brother or a sister but your heart is not convicted and your word of prophecy or exposure never lead to intercession you already know you don't have the heart of God because even before in the book of Genesis that God went and destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah you will understand before he destroyed them he went and said do I I have 50 that will intercede. Do I have 25? Do I have 30? Do I have what? And he went down looking for a man who will intercede. And when he found none, he began to send out destruction, sent the angels to get Lot and his family out of there before he burned it down with fire. But I want you to understand the first thing that God looks before he brings judgment even on anybody is intercession. The truth of the matter is God's not raising you up to point out everybody's wrong. God wants to know, could you get in the middle of their situation? Can you become an intercessor? Can you, can you get in the middle of it? Chaos, confusion. Can you get in the middle of their sin and bring them out of what they're in? Are you skillful enough to be an intercessor for this? God didn't call us to have prophetic discernment. That All we do is tell people down. It's not the nature of God. It's not the nature of God. It's not the nature of God to take somebody's weakness and gossip about it for two weeks. It's not the nature for God for three weeks. It's not that. It's the nature of the world. And the world has a shame. The world should be so ashamed of itself. They had a nerve to have something called cancel culture. Somebody who need God more than anybody. How are you going to cancel somebody? yeah people need to be reprimanded people need to be corrected yeah there's a sense of justice yeah we need to stand up for certain things come on son but canceling somebody how you gonna cancel somebody with your messed up self five years ago how you gonna counsel somebody and, and it's unfair to counsel somebody over what you've seen and we don't know everything you did we don't know everywhere you've been we don't know all the things that God covered and had mercy on but now we want to use that opportunity to counsel somebody that now we see, be careful of this council culture. It's leaking into the body of Christ, and we're losing the very nature on, of reconciliation. We are ministers of reconciliation. Even our Savior Jesus Christ—he a bad, he a bad. Excuse me for saying this way—he a bad boy. Jesus is a bad somebody. When they put him on the cross, he put. They put him in the middle, in the middle. of two thieves in the middle of it. He became, he was an intercessor even at that time and one of them, while he looked at her, the other was sitting there being pious but one of the thieves said, remember me in paradise and Jesus said I remember you. He said, I belong on this cross but you don't and in that moment, he was able to be converted by Jesus being in the middle of a situation. What I want to know is how many situations get better when your voice get on it? How many situations get better when your mind get on it? How many situations Turn out to God's source when you get involved. But do when we get involved, it get worse? Do things get worse and things turn out terrible? I want to know because you got to be careful always trying to handle somebody else's business. Oh, yeah, I got to help us with our due season, it's on us. And someone's got to be careful as it relates to the church. We don't recognize that some folks online are bitter and hurt Christians who have not moved on to healing and every spot or wrinkle they do see in the church they're looking to tear church apart Yeah, the church needs some work. There's some parts of the church need to be rebuke. Some parts of the church need to be cleaned up. But guess what? The church ain't going nowhere. The church gonna be here to the day of Jesus Christ. I don't care who don't even like the church. The church is gonna be here. God gonna clean us up. God's gonna work with us. And when he come back, he gonna have a church without spot or wrinkle. God ain't giving up on the church. Even if he has to reprove, rebuke the church. Even the Bible says in the book of Joel, God sent the armies of the locusts and the canker worm. Then he came back. The same God and say and the canker worm and the locust worm. I will overturn it for your good So sometimes God will chastise his people, but he won't chastise forever. Come on somebody. He'll turn that thing around So you got to be careful when you jump on the bandwagon because some of these folks don't like the church anyway And if you're not careful You could be supporting a witch Could be supporting somebody who has no intent on wa- wanting the church to do better. You better be careful of these jump, these bandwagons you jump on because some people are just witches and warlocks and they don't care nothing about the church being redeemed they care nothing about the church being rebuked and if you're not careful you'll get caught up in a circle of people who don't even care about the nature of the church and one of the ways you can see it because none of their posts say anything good about the church come on oh that's a big sign for me if all your posts is about how terrible the church is why I'm gonna listen to you come on why would I want you on my team why would I want you on my team and the only thing you could tell me about is how the team is trashy and no good sooner or later I'm going to get the clue that you ain't even on this team come on somebody because if you own this team and you about this family you got to see more than the bad you got to see the good that we should fight for and the reason that we should fight for the good and fight for the bad fight through the bad is because you're on this team we be jumping on these bandwagon these people they never say nothing good about the church never we just get sucked up in all these conversations witches and warlocks trying to destroy the church we're missing our redeeming quality and we're losing our salt that's number one don't waste your season hurting or hindering people point number two let's read verse six it says don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy don't throw your pearls to the pigs to the swine they will trample the pearls then turn and attack you what point number two don't waste your due season on wrong people my first point was making you compassionate but my next point is giving you discernment cause sometimes some of us are only thing we are is compassionate but people need more than compassion there are people who receive your compassion but won't receive your instruction oh you hear what I'm trying to say You can pull them out of something, but the moment you give them instruction on how to stay out of something, they're not interested in that. They love your compassion, but they're not interested in your construction, your instruction. The Bible says, I don't want you to think that I'm going to allow you to keep pouring. Here it is, because some of us are nothing but a bowl of compassion. And what happens is you always find yourself tired and drained because you're pouring into a ground that's never yielding fruit. You're seeding into something that's never given a harvest. And God says, that's not how I work. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy and don't throw your pearls to the swine. Meaning you should expect standards from sowing. It means also respect what is holy and sacred. Don't reduce mysteries of God to some simple slogan. Don't, don't start dishonoring God. It means honor what is holy. And there are times you got to understand you can waste your due season on wrong people. You can be so compassionate, you can be loyal to a fault. You ain't got no harvest, you ain't got no sign that harvest is coming but you still planting seed and water in the seed. You got no sign. No, God said, I do not want you living in that. And that's what happens sometimes. And you're frustrated and you're upset. But God said, it's you. You gotta stop wasting your seasons. You gotta stop wasting your time. That's why you got to tell friends and people in relationships. Hey, you're gonna have to change soon. I'm gonna have to see some signs out of you. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't put no pressure on friendships that ain't growing, things that ain't growing, things that's not. Y'all don't put no pressure on it. Jesus did it. Everybody thought all the naturists, all the environmentalists, they would have got rid of Jesus. Jesus walked up and saw a tree that one not bearing no fruit and he said, I curse you. Shall no man eat fruit from you from here henceforth. They was, they was astonished that Jesus took a tree and decided it would never grow fruit. The Bible said that Jesus saw the tree having leaves but not having fruit. In other words, he was saying you should have had fruit by now. He has the right to judge the tree and tell the tree you should have grown some fruit by now. You've been sitting in the ground sucking up nutrients, sucking up soil everybody run into your tree and when we get there we disappointed he said not anymore I'm gonna move you out of the way so people stop depending on a fruitless tree and I'm trying to tell you Jesus rebuked this tree and cursed it to the root because it didn't have fruit I'm telling you, you ought to expect something in your due season you need to expect something in your due season some people have these, these crying stories, sometime about everybody who left them. Well, sometimes people left you because you weren't doing right. Some people have a uh, a a poor expectation that people ought to just be there with them through everything, every time without them ever showing any demonstration of change, behavior change, fruitfulness. And they get mad when you get tired of that foolishness and make up your mind. And then they had a nerve to be crying Talking about I was rejected Yeah you were rejected You were because you didn't bear fruit You didn't change You didn't change your behavior No you ain't gonna sit here And have no pity party And blame me And tell me I'm not loyal No I expected something Out of this relationship I expected something Out of our roles for each other Y'all don't wanna put that pressure On these relationships This is what he said Don't waste what's holy On the unholy Don't give the pearls to the swine You can be loyal to a fault that's why you got to tell the people in close relation no I need some changes I need some growth we can work through it we can pray through it but we know you we're not just gonna expect me to pour and to walk around fruitless all my life and that's and some of us get tricked and just say that's my life that's what I'm doing you sad? you ain't walking in no harvest and somebody has conditioned you has conditioned your mind that they not gonna grow but you gonna keep pouring and you have felt obligated to stay in an unfruitful place they ain't trying to change they ain't trying to go to counseling come on somebody God expects something out of this tough situation and you ought to show some change and show some sign come on God and connecting people in marriage for you to be, to be a curse and a torment to your spouse come on somebody come on they praying for you they're loving you you need to get up and go to counseling and get some help and get some support yes. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, don't sit there and just say, no, I expect this thing out of you all the time. No, you got to go get some help. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's just not right. Ooh. To understand that. casting a person's fire, I want to mention Psalms 1. Put your finger on Psalms 1. I'm going to give you the first verse, and I'm about to help you. Okay. It's going to get tough. That's there are three peoples you cannot hang with if you're going to have your due season. Right. Three people you can't hang with. I mean you can't be friendly, but I'm talking about you can't hang with them all day. They can't be your best friend. There ain't no way. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you. Tell us. Three people. Is not in the Bible. in Psalms 1. It is. Number one, evil people. Right. Right. Evil and wicked people. The Bible says you ain't going to have no fellowship. The darkness and the light ain't going to have no fellowship. So there ain't no way you should be able to hang with all day, every day, talk to every day. Evil and wicked people. Right. You're not going to be able to have and maintain a due season with evil and wicked people. These people are highly carnal. Right? right? They disrespect God. Right. They live all type of immoral ways with no conviction and no aspect of change. Yeah. Wicked means twisted. They'll do anything for any situation. You need to protect yourself and you should not be hanging with evil and wicked people. I know it gets tough when we preach the word and start telling what the word says. And then Psalms 1. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that does not do these three things. Number one, wicked people. The second one is sinners. Sinners. Now I'm not talking about that all of us had a, a the propensity or ability to sin. I'm talking about somebody continuously living in a sinful lifestyle. Yeah. You are not to be spending all your time with sinners. Right. People say, Pastor Jones, that's not right. Even Jesus hanged with sinners. No he, no, he didn't. Jesus, when he was with sinners, he wasn't hanging with them, he was on assignment. It's a difference hanging with somebody and being on assignment. So if you're going to be with the sinner that much time, we should start seeing some change or some conversion that's starting to happen in their life. And you should be focused on why you are spending more time with them. But to be with a sinner all the time and you have never prayed for them and never led them to Christ and never teaching them the word you are in the wrong type of relationship darkness and light don't have fellowship 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 you can't change the definition because you like somebody it's called fellow along with fellowship darkness and light can have no fellowship Sinners, constantly, no, you you minister, you you go to them, and so it's an assignment, and it shows us sometimes as believers we're off our assignment. Yes, sir. When you win a sinner, you got to be conscious that you win a sinner. Ah, me teacher, you. when you win a sinner, you got to be conscious that you win a sinner. Don't get with the sinner and tell the sinner all the business of the church. Don't get with the sinner and tell them all the things that you know about that's going on in the church. Hush your mouth. The sinner trying to get saved or need to get saved. And you ain't helping the sinner by telling them privileged information of family business. Come on, somebody. And once they come into the family, you can say, we all working on something. We all trying to overcome. But come on, ain't no way to attract them to the kingdom and you telling them privileged information about Deacon John John and Evangelist Susie. You can't go to to the sinner and think you're going to win them to the kingdom telling them all the kingdom business? Jesus did not hang with sinners. He was ministering to sinners. He was on assignment. Third one, people who mock God. People who mock God. Mock them don't care for the things of God stay away from them people who mock God they don't believe in his word they don't believe in his people they believe by faith you cannot hang around I'm talking about every day in fellowship hear me clearly because I know the word of God is in some tight pockets of your life and you have not navigated a life that clearly shows people that you are a kingdom citizen and many times we get into these situations where we have neutralized our saltiness I said neutralize our saltiness come on we have neutralized it and when if you're salty you should be trying to preserve somebody there are times when somebody's in your midst you should be trying to encourage them come on you can do better you don't have to keep using those cuss words come on somebody you can encourage them come on there's time but sometimes we just neutral to everything and people can come in our midst and say any kind of thing and do what kind of thing I mean they just take the mud off of walking in the woods and they just rake it all over us and just take all the mud and put it all on us we just and use us as a doormat and we don't speak up and we don't say anything come on somebody i'm trying to help some of you stay into your season stay into your favor come on somebody and we neutralize our saltiness y'all hear what i'm trying to say all right all right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't waste your due season on wrong people I didn't say we don't pray for them. I ain't say we don't love them. I ain't say we don't reach out. See, in this day, you got to actually really explain what you're saying, because people be hearing all kinds of stuff when you're challenging them. You know, they make up stuff that you ain't never seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number three, stay in the flow and your season. Say so stay in the flow. Let's read verse 7. Keep on asking and you will receive. I'll take a few more. Keep on asking and you receive what you ask for. This is how you maintain your due season. Keep on praying. When you're in your due season, you got to stay focused. It said, Lord, show me where the next step to go. Lord, show me what to do. Show me who to connect with. You got to keep your prayer lot hot and on fire when you're in your due season. It says, keep on asking and you will receive. I love this. What you ask for. Everybody say, keep on asking. It said, keep on seeking. Say, keep on seeking and you will find. Say, keep on knocking and the door will be open unto you for everyone who asks receive and everyone who seeks Five. finds and to everyone who knocks the door. the door will be open i just want you to know that the, the the first letters of that ask seek and knock spell ask everybody see that want everybody to know the first words ask a s k, a, s is seek and k is knock. it's spell ask is an acronym he said if you keep asking you're going to have so say stay in the flow, stay in the flow verse 9 your parents if your children ask for a loaf of bread do you give them a stone or if they ask for a fish do you give them a snake of course not so if you you sinful carnal people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him i love scripture i'm trying to tell you some of y'all are not having it because you're not asking for it I'm saying stop being afraid to ask for it sometimes we've been taught and trained wrong about being the children of God when God gives you desires uh, you get desires in your heart and what have I learned to do is I pray for whatever my desires are if he's given me a desire I pray about it and he's sovereign if the desire is not right and it's gonna take me off track he'll make sure it don't come to pass come on somebody but ain't my problem he gonna figure that out I'm going to ask for it if it's in my heart I'm going to ask for it and God is trying to get some of you To stop trying to live your own life in your own mind and go to your father and start asking for the desires of your heart, you have not because you ask not. I gotta keep moving. Number four, treat people right. I don't know, I already said it before, but simply treat people right. God didn't bring you to no season to be mean hearted and not treat people right. Here it is, verse 12 Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is an essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Treat people right. Treat people with respect. Treat people with dignity. Treat people with honor. Don't be demeaning. Don't belittle people. Treat people right. Verse five. Let's get it. This is from five. Is live holy. Everybody say live holy. live holy. All right. You want to mess up your season? let God start opening up doors and you go to sinning and messing up. And not respecting his holy. Live holy. Verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for many who choose the way. That's the life of anything goes. No restrictions. Live life how you want it. It's wide. Wide and wild. But the gateway to life is narrow. Listen. And the road is And the road is what, yes, meaning to get your self disciplined and right with God is going to take some work. Oh, yeah. It's going to take some work to stay on the right road. It's going to take some focus to stay on the right road. It's going to st- take some prayer partners and right environment to stay on the right road. You're going to have to make some tough decisions to stay on the right road. There're going to be temptations. You don't get saved and then all the temptations just go away. Come on somebody. We don't get saved and you don't have no temptations or something. Come on somebody. Come on now. You don't even get married and temptations go away. Come on. I wish somebody will tell the truth up in here. You going to have to be disciplined discipline the rest of your life come on somebody if you were lustful before you got married marriage in itself don't just get rid of lust you got to be disciplined you got to work on yourself difficult everything ain't easy to live holy you have to be challenged and discipline yourself to live holy it means don't take no shortcuts Everybody wants quick fix and quick elevation. You're going to have to work sometime. You're going to have to make tough decisions in your life with God. But you can find this way of righteousness and holiness with God. It says it's a highway to hell living broad. No restricts in your life. No discipline in your life. Holiness requires clear focus and priorities. Let's go to number six. It means watch and look at the fruit. You're going to maintain your due seeds, You got to watch and look at fruit. Amen. I got to say this. 15, beware of false prophets. Yes, sir. Yeah. We got false prophets out here too. Yes, sir. Many false prophets who come disguised as, harm, as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way, they ought. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? What this means is, you know them by the fruit, but if you're going to get poked, trying to, you know, you can see that fruit, but you're trying to find a way. Get that fruit. That little tiny bit of fruit that's on there. And every time you pick your hand and, ah, You keep getting poked. The Bible says, that's what I keep trying to tell you. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. Simple stuff. Look at the fruit. Look at the conduct and the behavior. Don't look at the fact that they can prophesy accurately. Right. warlocks, sorcerers and witches can prophesy accurately yes, Oh, they can tell you certain things so you can't judge it you got to judge it by conduct and behavior and not just prophesying yes. cause they can prophesy, to, prophesy the truth and still be a liar yes. you got to look at the character and the conduct hallelujah So every tree that that does not produce good fruit is chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So you can't keep producing bad fruit and then tell me, don't judge me, God knows the heart. You can't tell me that. Don't judge me only God knows the heart that is not true Come on. the Bible said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaking in other words your fruit is on your tree yeah, right. and you can't keep telling me God knows my heart when I see all this fruit around here all I see is apples and you keep telling me your orange tree yeah. Yeah. identify the tree that's what it's talking about discernment. The ability to identify what you're dealing with. It's saying, oh, as well, don't get impressed with charisma. Look for character. Don't get stirred up just with charisma. Look for character. People will exploit your emotions and your pocketbook and your family and your influence because they are doing it through charisma and not character. All right, false prophets. I'm gonna go into all of the things about false prophets, but they lead you astray from God. They substitute God's word. False prophets. Verse seven, number seven. That was number six, right? I'm about to be done. I'm gonna pray. Here it is: to maintain, be real. I got, I got eight, seven. Be real. This is number seven. Be real and stay ready for judgment. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Y'all see that in verse 21? I never knew you. Verse 23. Get away from me. You who break God's laws, God requires obedience in our lives. So I'm telling you to be real with yourself and stay ready for judgment. Stay ready, live ready. When you stay ready for judgment, you repent faster. If you do slip, you try to get up real quick, try to dust off real quick, because you got to stay ready for judgment. We know Jesus will finally come back and and rapture the saints. But he may call your number before that great day. And the reason I'm saying this, we also got to make sure you're ready for eternal destiny. Now, we preach you the principle of God in Proverbs. It teaches you how to live life. It teaches you how to walk with favor. The word of God teaches you how to maximize life on this earth. And I can teach you those things. The church can teach you those things. But what good it is for me to teach you all those things about how to live in the earthly realm and you ain't ready for eternity. I can even teach you about tithes and you don't even have to be saved to benefit from the principle of tithe. There are people who are not saved walk into the covenant of prosperity because they understand God's heart as giving him the first of your income and they honor God through the first of the tithe and they are materially blessed and wealthy but that's no good to teach you how to tithe and you ain't saved. Come on somebody, you will be a blessed tithe person on your way to hell come on somebody and we got to teach you more than just the principles of how to govern God in the earth we got to make sure you are ready for whatever your name is called understand that I'm done at number eight last one is build on the rock everybody say build on the rock here it is I'm reading the verses anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who built a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I want you to notice in these verses, no matter if you are foolish or wise, everybody gonna have a life. Everybody gonna have storms, everybody gonna have rain, everybody gonna have tough times, but the difference is, is how your life is built. Build your life on the foundation of the word of God. Everything else is going down but the word of God. else is quicksand but the word of God. All of us are going to have a trial. All of us going to have winds and rain. Everybody going to go through a hard season but the difference in our lives is when your life and your foundation is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Things may come, storms may blow but when you got a savior in your soul, you know you're going to overcome what you're going to go through. The Bible even declares that many are the afflictions of the righteous but God deliver them from them all see that's the difference we are guaranteed to be rescued we're guaranteed to have a turnaround we're guaranteed to have a, a turn up because we are built on the foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ so build solid foundation don't build on this worldly stuff build on the foundation of Jesus Christ build be tough and build it right Stop cheating. Stop going against the code. When an inspector come and check out your building, he fining you. You got fines and suspensions and all kind of con- repercussions for breaking coals and not building right. And, and the worst embarrassment is to build something high and wrong. Because we build it high and wrong, everybody looking at it. And people think it's beautiful. For the first storm come, it collapses. The first wind blow, it breaks down. It maybe looked look beautiful, but it wasn't built right. And sometimes it takes time to build something right. Take pride in building something right. Take, take, take enthusiasm in building something right. Jesus began to teach, and the Bible says in verse 28, with authority, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. I want you to stand on your feet, I'm done. Thank you again, my friend, for listening to our radio broadcast of Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And every time we hear his word, we're able to grow thereby. My friend, I also want to invite you to our service. Maybe you have a free Sunday coming up real soon. We'll love to see you at 1317 High Road here in Tallahassee. Truth gathers dreams in a church. God bless you until the next time right here on Wave 94.